Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, there's, there, he did something, he did some double album where one was like an amazing set, like people going crazy, and the other one was just a set where he bombed, and he like, it was a double album, like he just, the same set, just, it didn't oh, work. Oh, did really? Yeah, which I thought was so kind of, much, yeah, so meta, more progressive than you would think he would, even by That's meeting interesting, him. Interesting, uh, um, weird dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so are you doing to... one of your all-purpose introductions, or, or do you, are you going to do an introduction that will serve for all of the podcasts? That no, we, we do different introductions. It depends who's on. Hmm. Okay. You know, but I mean, if we like, like a, their work, isn't it's a different like a musical theme or something? That... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's edited. There's a, we cut oh, but stuff. You've, you've already been editing. Haven't you? How heard far these? are you? I'm, I'm I'm halfway through Keith Gordon. And then Did I'm... you get to Hampton Fantry? He's never he never came up. Yes, he did. I know he didn't come up. Oh. Maybe. But now I'm going to have to cut this because people are going to want to know why. <laughs> We're not recording yet. Yeah, we are. Are we not recording? Yeah. No. Really stumbled yeah, into Joe, the Joe apparently went on some rant about how awful Hampton Fancher is. And, no, I didn't. And then like, I got mixed up later with and a different <laughs> person. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, I gotta, well, I'm going to give them all one more pass. And then, but yeah, they're almost. Uh, well, I sent you a couple. Yeah, no, I, I have three of them. Um, okay. I have not sent you the one we did without you. because uh, That would be it. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but well, should we should we begin? We all, yeah, sure. All good? Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to the Movies That Made Me, official podcast of Trailers from Hell. Our guest this week uh, is um, uh, well, he's done a lot of things. He's a TV writer, comedian, he's the host of The Meltdown, co-host of the Nerdist podcast and TV show. Uh, and lately, and I would assume probably the most widely known work you've done would be uh, as the host of the new Mystery Science Theater uh, on Netflix. Um, we have the very wonderful Jonah Ray with us. Thanks for having me. Um, and now we're going to beat him up. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, I, you're obviously you're a, you're a huge movie fan. Yes, of, yes, of course. Which Obsessed. is, I um, uh, would probably explain how you ended up on that show. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, the ending up on that show was just like a weird turn of, you know, just events that comedy leads you into, you know, where you, uh, you're you doing open mics and someone asks you to write on a show and then someone, you know, especially when I was coming up, you know, internet companies were popping up, they ask you to make, you know, online sketches and you make those and someone saw me do that and I would make a lot of parody sketches, that's what I was pretty good at on, you know, different little you know, tertiary cable networks. Um, and then because of working at one of those places, became friends uh, and started a podcast with Chris Hardwick. And then one of the people we had on eventually was Joel Hodgson. Ah. And uh, the creator of Mr. Science Theater 3000, um, a show that I watched a bunch while I was growing up. And then uh, he brought it back and he asked if I wanted to uh, be the host of it. And so that's the that's the short short of it. Um, and, and, and all of that. And it was that easy brought you here. That, yes, that, that was an easy 14 years of my life. Uh, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, we're also here, of course, with uh, our fearless leader, Captain, my captain, uh, the great Joe Dante, 
who um, um, probably even more than I uh, has a problem with people talking through movies. But mm-hmm. <laughs> would yeah. that be fair? Well, yeah. I mean, I I'm sort of I'm sort of known for uh, being a non fan of mystery science theater, and it's uh, and I, I have to admit that every so often there's something pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember when, my least favorite episode is the one they is this Island Earth. This Island Earth, that was, which, which is was their the movie, movie, which yeah. is the, the theatrical movie, and it's because right. they had a they had a deal with Universal for a while, and they were they, so they were doing instead of doing really low rent. Uh, cheese ball grade C movies, they were getting, you know, B movies. They were getting well-produced movies and, you know, uh, stuff from the 50s that, that, that the, it was in the Universal Library. And uh, because this picture's in color, uh, they figured, well, if, we gonna, if we're going to make a theatrical movie, we, has to, we can't do a black and white one. We have to do a color one. And, uh, and so they took this picture, which I, was always one of my favorite pictures when film. I was a kid. Yeah. And they cut, like, 20 minutes out of it. Uh. Which is one of their standard ploys, you know. Right. Well, it's not, it can't be funny all the time. Uh, and so out it comes. And also the, 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 the picture quality on most of the shows uh, on Mystery Science Theater is abysmal. I mean, that, the, that's your the comp- prints, well, the prints look <laughs> terrible. They're all washed out. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them are some of them are 16, some of them are splicey, some of them are crappy, you know, which I guess is part of the charm. But when this picture was going to be released theatrically, and so here are people watching a terrible print of a picture oh. theatrically with the same little, you know, silhouettes on the bottom. Right. Uh, and, and, the, and those torturous interludes with the puppets. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, really. If you're going to do the movie, do the movie. But don't, don't, don't give me this story about the satellite of love. I mean, who gives a <laughs> flying fuck? I mean, geez, they're interrupting, interrupting their own stuff. For bad stuff. To interrupt yeah. more, yeah. Did yeah. I mention that our guest this week is... Uh... Yes. Um, everything but... you've said is is spot on. Um, uh, here, Here's the thing. Uh, when they did This Island Earth, it was, you know, I was very... I was, I was lucky enough as a kid to uh, get to see that in the theater. Um, and it... The movie didn't make sense to me, but it did make me go back when i when i got home i went to a movie store that friday and rented this island earth and and saw it and it did become a movie well that no really that's enjoyed. the unintended consequence of people watching uh, that show yeah. Yeah. because every so often there would be a picture on it and it would be interesting enough for people to say well you know i wonder what that's like when there's not a bunch of stupid comments being made yeah uh and and uh, and i and i have to admit in all candor that that, that there is a certain amount of scholarship now involved with the release of the, uh, the the discs, the mystery science discs, there are little documentaries and there's oh, really? you know sort of erudite discussions of some of the movies, uh, and and which is good. But my 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 annoyance with the show initially was basically that a I'm smart enough to make my own comments. Mm-hmm. I don't need other people to do it for me. Uh, and b I, the, the spectacle of people using other people's material for their act. Is um, uh, I find it offensive. Yeah, I and I I I, I agree with that uh, to uh, a point, but I think the same argument uh, can be said about remixing uh, uh, or sampling in hip hop and uh, and electronic music. Where I've I'd heard um, uh, people who don't like hip hop saying, "Well, they're not really talented; they're just taking other people's work and then putting a beat on it and then rapping over it." But I I, I do think there is a uh, element of um, an idea of collage work and it doesn't necessarily just have to be stuff you're cutting out of magazines and books and, and posters and then making your own art. It's a, it's almost taking the, the world around you. And the guy who created the show, Joel Hodgson, 
he was uh, he was a prop comic. I mean, you know, which is not like a thing. You go, well, that sounds cool. You know, it's uh, <laughs> he was a prop comic, and a lot of his stuff he did was also kind of reminiscent of some of the stuff that Steve Martin was doing when he started, where he took stuff that people remembered as kids, you know, the arrow through the head and whatnot, and used those uh, as a jumping off point. And and to say, it's you know to need a reference to make a joke, it usually means like you know that the joke's not universal enough. You need to find some unifying theme to then therefore make a comment on it. But uh, for me, um, when I was a kid, I was equally obsessed with uh, movies and comedy. And to find a thing like Mystery Science Theater that I got to experience both at the same time uh, I'm like, was say comedy movies. Well, comedy, yeah, yeah. Well, no, comedy <laughs> movies, but like the idea that, and you know, because I would like Fun watch movies. old movies and, and and like make jokes with my friends, but uh, you know, I didn't hang out with my friends all the time. And there was this thing, and I I think that's why uh, a lot of people that really do enjoy Mystery Science Theater are on the uh, I don't I, yeah, and I'm grouping myself into this spectrum, you know, like it's like you know, we didn't have a lot of friends growing up, and so there's this idea that you can watch movies with your friends and make fun of it but you don't really without have, having any friends without <laughs> having any friends, <laughs> any friends. and uh, oh, and no. as as you as you put out this podcast you'll find that there that same audience is going to be right there with you um and oh, why yeah. do you think we're having you on man we're, uh, <laughs> you know. but uh, that's that's we're a, a big thing where it's uh, and you know knowing now talking to Joel about the process and all those guys who are very funny joke writers uh, and performers, um, you know they they start off at public access it's not public access but just a local KTMA in Minneapolis and they just had to use the prints that were there that they would run, you know, on Saturdays. And, and Joel truly loves those movies. He grew up watching those movies all the time. When you hear him talk about a movie we have coming up, he's like, Oh, this one, man, this one I used to watch all the time. Every time it was on TV, like he truly does have a passion for it. And the way he talks about uh, doing the riffs on the movies. Um, and I kind of agree with it. I rarely, I like I really like to when I'm writing jokes for the show, I really like to degrade. Uh, my favorite kind of jokes are adding um dialogue that might be uh like juxtaposed. Like it's like so someone's line someone has a line and you add wouldn't be funny if someone said this right afterwards. Um and it's not so much um making fun of the movie, it's uh collaborating with the movie and like, you know, uh taking it to another spot. Which I know it still is, it's uh it can be insulting. No, no, that's yeah. a that's a that's a very reasoned uh, explanation for it. Uh, yeah. the, the 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 upshot of it is, unfortunately, though, that that all the kinds of movies that appeared on that show are considered bad movies. Yeah, and, and as as somebody who knows how hard it is to make any movie, let alone a bad one, and it's even hard to make those, uh, it just seems so disrespectful to me to, mm-hmm. to base an entire very successful uh, series over the years on the idea of denigrating things that people would possibly like if they had discovered them for real on their own that is that's a very good point um and you know and i had this and i, I told josh this the other night um you know i love the show growing up and and but you know it wasn't around when i started you know becoming a creator myself uh you know making shorts writing stand-up writing shows um and and doing my own thing and then I, you know it's like when i got offered the role i was like wow what a weird childhood fantasy like that idea i had watching this on comedy central and just i'm i would be that guy like that i I love that show but when we were about to get going i remember like kind of getting scared and and talking to my wife and being like if i if this gets real big and i'm now known as the person who makes fun of movies will i ever be allowed to continue to try and make my own movie and and if i do 
will it, you know, will it be the headline on IndieWire going, so the guy that makes fun of movies thought he could go, not so easy, is it, asshole? That would be like yeah. my book. That would be the title of the book about me, not so easy, asshole, about that guy who killed himself. You know, it's it's a it's a line we have to dance around here, too, because every now and then it's shocking. But I would say, I mean, Joe, you, you might agree with me. I know you would offline or offer it, but uh, every now and then a movie comes out and you go, God, what a piece of shit. But we don't hey, look, talk about that there are, here. There are, there, are, <laughs> there are bad movies. And if, and if there weren't bad movies, I don't think they probably would have started Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that it's a genre movie right. sort of automatically Oh, no, no. I'm bad. just saying that and we that, never on this show badmouth curd films because I mean, we have to work. No, no, we can't because yeah. we have friends. And yeah, you know, exactly. there's nothing worse than when you go to your friend's screening <laughs> and you don't like the movie. What are you going to say? Yeah. You know, great color. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've done it again. Good pacing. I mean, <laughs> only you could have made this film. Yeah. Uh, that but was, the, but that's it, happens. Kind of, yeah. it happens. I mean, we've all we've all gone to movies yeah. by our friends that didn't work. And uh, uh, the best thing is if they invite you uh, to the rough cut. Because mm-hmm. if it's a rough cut, God, you yes. can actually tell them stuff. Yes. You can yes. actually make improvements. You can actually say things that yeah. don't work. You know. But when it's finished and it's all done and you go to the premiere and it just lays there, Boy, it's tough to come out of there. What it, it is, and the best joke to, to do to your friend is uh, it's like when you when you do the final cut, it's gonna be great. That's like when you do that at the final. <laughs> Nobody likes like, that. No one likes that. I know. <laughs> That's a terrible thing. No, it's a do. terrible joke. Oh, it's like you know, um, it's like when you do stand up comedy. Uh, you know, the person comes and see your show, and you know it's not a good show sometimes, and they go, "Well, I couldn't do that." It's just, uh, <laughs> it's a yeah. I, you, you, guys I are, you guys are much meaner than. Uh, yeah. No, I, I straddle the line kind of between you because. Uh, uh, I, I, I do agree. I think I think an unfortunate thing is, and not just genre films, kind of older films. And, well, that's that's also a, a, yeah, a, a pet and, peeve of mine. Is the, well, if it's old, it must be bad. Yeah, and there's if that old, kind of. If it's old, it must be stupid. It's, but <laughs> there, there, there comes this weird thing, especially you know in L.A. where you have all these great repertory theaters, where you go to a film, and sometimes it's an older film, and sometimes the audience is laughing at things, and you can almost. You know, sometimes the laughter is kind of but that's joyful always, that's reveling. That's always been true. From, but yeah, from, but in, then, in the sixties, I used to run old movies at, at, at college. And right. They, they, times change, mores change. Yeah. And there are things that people just don't accept. Yeah. And uh, that's why you know you find people not um, being able to relate frequently to things that are beyond their uh, experience, and 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 maybe not even be interested in them because. It's irrelevant. Yeah. That 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 part of the world that they weren't in. When it was, but I'm saying yeah, sometimes, yeah. and maybe it's me. I feel like you can tell the difference between a sort of audience that's going with the film, going, "Oh, God, I love you know what, whatever it is," you know. Yeah. Um, and then other times, you can tell you're just in a room full of people who think it's funny that a man's wearing a hat, and that's well, kind of. Sad. I saw. I, I was at the uh, L.A. premiere of Birdemic, and um, I had heard rumors about it. And at Cine Family. At Cine Family, and that was awkward. It was it was awkward, but here's the thing about it: um, the guy truly tried to make a good movie, or at least he said he did. Uh, every, he people asked him afterwards, "How did it make you feel when everyone was laughing at certain elements that you didn't intend to be funny?" He said, "Well, it was eliciting a, a reaction, and I guess as a as an artist, I just want any kind of response, even if it's the wrong one. It's not up to me at that point." Which I thought was a very lucid thing for that guy to say, but but he felt very bad. But, I thought, well, mm-hmm. what I didn't like about it about that night and it's like and i love the guys over at severin they do like really cool fun stuff but like they were forcing they were forcing the birdemic to become another room mm-hmm. they uh had people in the audience yelling out certain stuff mm-hmm. uh they were like you mean they, plants uh there was plants they were taught they were passing out um 
hangers, coat hangers, yes. you know, wire hangers, because yeah. that's what they fight the birds with. Uh, and they're, they're like, say, hey, when the birds show up, do this thing. So they and, were merchandising it. They were merchandising it, and they basically, they found something that happened so organically with the room and then tried to manufacture that. And like that thing, I think, might be more offensive to, uh, not as, you know what I say the most offensive is people that purposely try to make a bad movie, which I think. Um, Unless it's a bad movie inside a good movie. Well, no, 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 no. There's there. What I mean is, I'm talking about, and I don't mean to like throw stuff around. I don't know who was involved in what, but like, uh, um, asylum. Um, oh, you know, the asylum people. The asylum yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 um that's an entire business built on uh manipulation and the hopes that someone will accidentally right. uh, rent or buy your movie instead of yeah, transmorphers <laughs> thinking uh, thinking that it's something else. Yeah, Terminators. exactly. And so that's now they got away with making Terminators. Yeah. How did they? That, about robots in the future, I think. That was, yeah, I it's I, and and making a bad movie on purpose, I think, is uh, is more so because there's a lot of stuff that we found in the writers' room. And you know, to be honest, like I was a viewer of Mr. Science Theater for a lot longer than I've been working on it. But there was a thing when we're in the writers' room, and we all we talk more about what we like about the movies more than we talk about what's wrong with them. Some of them are just uh, some of them are decent movies that just didn't uh, stand the test of time too well. And like you were saying, there's just these things where you're seeing something that's old and it's just funny to you. Like I still giggle when I'm driving around and I see a phone booth. When you see a public <laughs> phone, and you're like, "What are you doing here?" I weep. Yeah. <laughs> makes me very How sick. do you think Clark Kent feels? Yeah. <laughs> um, he would be so fucked these days. Just current, just rushing around. That was around. a joke in the Richard Donner Superman. That that's was right. Yeah, he looks oh, like the best jokes. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, there's a great uh, photographer, William Eggleston, who uh, I love, and it's it's one of my favorite photos of his for a long time. But it's taken on a completely different meaning now. This is a real silent, but it's a fantastic picture of just a lonely phone booth sitting next to a lonely mailbox. And you look at it now in the context of 2018, it's like these are two things that nobody uses anymore. Yeah. They barely even exist. But, uh, but, but you know, there's there's a, a business, and it's like, you know, um, out there where there's guys, there's businessmen that they just want a movie made, and then there's, uh, there's directors and writers and actors that truly want to do their best to make the best version of that movie that these guys just want to make just to make money. These people want to make art. These people want to make money. And uh, sometimes it works, but... Sometimes it doesn't. Well, you got to remember the the Ed Wood phenomenon began with uh, the Medved's book, mm. yeah, right, which yeah. is a fairly scurrilous book, but actually um, managed to generate interest. In uh, now, one thing about bad movies is, when I was a child, I saw Plan Nine from Outer Space, and I knew it was terrible <laughs> because it was it's it's it wears its awfulness like a badge, you know. <laughs> Uh, and yet it is a, it is a work of passion from this guy, yeah, you know, right. and uh, you know, uh, when the, when the tombstones fall over and the, and the, the, the rug gets wrinkles in it and it's supposed to be grass. And I mean, all this stuff is going on and you're going, well, this is really bad. I mean, when you're, and, and, and all my friends in school, we, we, we all knew when we saw this pictures on channel 11, they used to run it all the time in New York, uh, that this, that was something special about this movie. It was bad in a different way right. than other movies. And then when when the the, the Edward phenomenon took off and, and he had made other movies in equal measure bad, <laughs> um, but all eccentric and and unique, uh, it it really was like well geez this poor guy I mean he didn't get to really see uh, he would be so happy when I mean the the movie the the Edward movie aside you know the fact that that he is now considered uh, I think 
beyond his wildest dreams, a successful filmmaker uh, who died, of course, drunk and yeah. uh, poverty and, and, you know, wearing who knows what sex clothes and yeah. all that. Um, I mean, that's, that's sort of the beginning of, of understanding or tourism. Yeah. You know? And so from the Medved book came uh, an appreciation of something. And, it, and, uh, and I think it started to make it, it, it gave birth sort of to the psychotronic idea right. that there is a genre of movies that are different than other movies and have, have to be looked at a little differently and give you different things. But yeah, now you're actually you're making the argument to me that that sort of justifies a little bit more of the mystery science theater approach. I mean, I, I well, yeah, but, I but in that case, side. you're not you're not the work is not speaking for itself. Right, you're speaking for the work. But I, I have found. I mean, I'm, um, uh, you know, I, what was the Joe Don Baker movie? Was it Mitchell? Mitchell. Mitchell but I got yeah. turned on to by mystery science theater. And it's yeah. it's I, I, the the worst thing I can say about the mystery science theater commentary is it's it's so superfluous because that film is so bonkers that you just kind of sit there. Letting it happen to you, which uh, yeah, well, there, is there's kind of wonderful. But, you know, well, there are a number of weird choices. I mean, you know, they, they did overdrawn at the memory bank, which which uh, is the strangest choice for mystery science theater. It's yeah. a PBS yeah. science fiction uh, based on a some renowned author. Was it, I can't remember who Philip K. Dick. Is it Philip yeah, K. Dick? I think so, I think, yeah. uh, and uh, and it's a, it's a kind of a stodgy movie, but it's kind of interesting, and it's just not. A mystery science theater kind of movie, right. but I think they found themselves sometimes in a situation where this is the package, and you have to pull the stuff out of it, and you got to find something to do. And they, and, you know, they 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 lard it with uh, self help films and educational films right. and all those other st- silly things, which are hilarious on their own, you know. And talk yeah. about movies that don't that, that don't stand the test of time. I mean, these yeah. movies were dated when they were made, uh, yeah. and they, and and they do a good job with those shorts, but with the features, they constantly cut them. Which I think is just not fair. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, you know, it, it's it's an acquired taste, which I think I just never acquired. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, mostly yeah. I, I, the the last thing I'll say in in I don't know, sort of in straddling defense, I guess, is whenever I get uh, really upset about people, you know, kind of talking through movies. And again, I think my first trailer from Hell commentary was on the Apple, which I am positive the first time I saw in a theater, I could not keep my mouth shut. Yeah. How the hell can you? What are you looking at? But um, I remember going to the uh, premiere slash casting crew screening of my first movie, uh, On the Border, um, starring Casper Van Dien, mm-hmm. and um, being scolded afterwards by some friends I went with because uh, uh, you're not you're not supposed to um, <laughs> talk back abusively to movies you've written. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty wonderful. <laughs> Live director's uh, commentary. Yeah, well, writer, writer. Yeah, writer um, commentary. Uh, they don't do writer's commentary. Yeah, they yeah, don't. They don't yeah, exactly. exactly. It would, it would, every, every line would start with, well, what I wrote was. <laughs> well, I meant to say. What I was. thought was going to happen. Oh, well, I'm out of keep this, but I just, this Patty Jenkins to today on Twitter, uh, I guess she's just seen Ready Player One, and she goes, it's amazing. And for someone who doesn't know anything about video gaming, how did Steven Spielberg know so much about that world and the characters and the everything? You're like. Oh, maybe Patty. Maybe I'm just thinking here, but maybe someone else wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy idea. <laughs> anyway, I loved your script for Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. Jonah is here. He's got two short lists, a five and five. I guess should we should we start with the the ones that will get you in everyone's good graces, and then yeah, yeah. We, um, we, we he's gonna well. do he's gonna do five movies that he feels. Uh, how, did, how should I put this? Would be it would be a sin to talk through. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's uh, this is no, in no particular order, but uh, one of my all-time favorite movies is Ed Wood. Tim Burton, director of Batman, Beetlejuice, and Edward Scissorhands, now takes you to a completely different world, the true story of a Hollywood legend, Ed Wood. And action! He made movies like no one else. You want to keep moving? to get through that door. Ah, that was perfect. Perfect? Do you know anything about the film production? Well, I'd like to think so. He had an eye for talent. I met Bella Lugosi. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. No, he's very much alive. Kill <laughs> flying saucer? He had a passion for storytelling. Get me transvestites. I need transvestites. Uh, it's, uh, for me to, like, see a movie that, you know, as, keep in mind, I was 12 when it came out and it really as a person who wanted to make movies as as want, want to be in Hollywood and was also at the same time I was becoming obsessed with punk rock and the do it yourself attitude and to see that it was um and with punk rock and being in bands it's like it was our friends and we were doing it together and that's truly what like Edward showed me is that it's like you can just just do it. And the doing it is is really important because that's the fun stuff and that's the stuff you get to... If you get into a situation where you're making stuff with your friends, it almost doesn't matter. Like, it's like, it does in the long run of a career, but like at that at those moments, it's just so much fun because you can work with so many terrible people. And so to see it would, it's like, it's like everything about it, the subtle references to gaffes from Ed Wood movies where hair parts change in the scene, um, erratic, like, uh, what's the one they shot right over here when, uh, at Bordner's where like the, the, the guy asked, uh, um, I think it was like Loretta King or something like if she wants any water. She's like, no, no liquids, no liquids of any kind. And it's never mentioned afterwards or before. It's just these, you know, it's, I, and I, I thought like, it's truly a great, um, movie about, uh, friendship and, uh, and creativity. And it's uh, it's it's like my it's one of my all time favorites. And like it's like when it's on, even if my wife starts to talk, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> keep it down. I'm, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this joke yet again. Uh, we may need to change the uh, name of this podcast to the Ed Wood podcast. <laughs> he does. Come that up movie a lot. comes up yeah. almost every week, I think. Didn't it? Keith Gordon brought it. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's a it's, it's a great film. It's a great I, movie. I know. It's a great movie. Know, and I'm, it's here's a uh, you know, um, the thing, too, about what. Uh, uh, with Dana Gould, he puts on the, he puts on a live reading of Plan Nine from Outer Space, and uh, I always end up playing uh, Trent, and so I'm like my voice is just gone because I'm talking like this the whole time, you know, just <laughs> drowning in my own uh, throat, and and but it's uh, it's one of those things where it's so fun to read, and you know you got Ron Lynch doing the uh, you know the stage directions and whatnot, but it's um but before we started doing it, I watched I rewatched Plan Nine, which I hadn't since I was a kid, just because you know. I, I see it on well. I see it while watching Ed Wood all the time. But I watched the original Plan Nine, and there's something so watchable about it that where it almost transcends. Like it's it's an incapable movie, but it's not a bad movie because there's something about it where it's not painful to watch. There are movies that are painful to watch, and I've no, seen some fun. of them. It's an entertaining movie. Yeah, yeah. Robot Monster was a movie that we we ran at the 3D Festival a couple of years ago. Because it, it was actually shot in 3D, really shot in 3D, oh, wow. and has really good 3D. Um, and I happened to be making a picture called Looney Tunes, and I had a scene in it where uh, the robot monster is an alien from there's a place where they go to Area 52, and that's where all the aliens are. And so we got a whole lot of B movie monsters, and we had some guys who love that stuff make make up new 
masks and stuff, and we had a robot lesson. So we, we brought him in a, the gorilla suit and the diving helmet, nice. brought him down the aisle at the Egyptian theater with, with bubbles, and we made sure there was bubbles. <laughs> and um, and that, that was funny, but the movie was incredibly hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was such a fun time. It's only an hour long. Yeah. Uh, but, it's, but it's non-stop hilarious. With the swiftness of a deadly cosmic ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. What astounding technical developments are being made to protect mankind. Robot Monster brings you an actual preview of the devastating forces of our future. Unsuspected revelations of incredible horrors that will terrify you with their brutal reality. There is no escape from me. Very well. I will recalculate. Your death will be indescribable. Fool humans, there is no escape. And uh, the director's son, Phil Tucker's son, was there. And he said that his father would have been thrilled oh, wow. to be there, to see his picture get that kind of reaction. Even yeah. though it was obviously reaction because it's... But it's just so absurd. I mean, right. it's not that it's badly made. It's it's just this is what this is what we got. We got a gorilla suit. We got a diving helmet, and he's supposed to be a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we just say what he is, people will just go along with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Great argument for not having CG. I guess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so um, another movie that uh, it just because it, it means a lot to me, and it does now. Uh, uh, even more so since I got really into it. Uh, but it, the movie Beginners, uh, which is like, um, I think it's such a it's 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 such a great story. And uh, having my dad pass away last year, it like I revisited it um, because I wanted to, you know, almost emotionally cut myself even more. Uh, but it's a great performances by Christopher Plummer um, and just a uh, an incredible um, narrative, like the way they tell like three timelines uh, at the same time throughout the movie, I think. And it's another thing where it's like the movie and all parts of it means so much to me that I would be very angry if someone started talking <laughs> over it. Good, good call. That's I'm, Christopher Plummer, Ewan McGregor. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you're not going to see that one on Mystery Science Theater very soon. No. No. <laughs> no. It was just yeah. Well, that's be... the point. These are these are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are these are ones that uh, you know I would you know and I it's uh there's certain movies that we did last season that uh, we did um it was a, an Italian movie Christmas movie called the Christmas that almost wasn't mm-hmm. and it um essentially uh, there's a, a nasty old man uh prune. Uh, Phineas T. Prune. Rosano Barazzi. Yes, yes. Why can't every day be Christmas? Why can't every day be gay? Why can't every day be Merry Christmas each and every day? There once was a Christmas that almost wasn't, all because of a man named Prune. Wait a minute. If you are Santa, what are you doing here? You're early. Christmas is not coming this year. Treat your family to the happy, song-filled, magical motion picture that's almost too good to be true. Rosano Brazzi and Paul Tripp in The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. And um, and he doesn't like uh, he doesn't like Christmas because he doesn't like children. He doesn't want to hear them laugh. He doesn't want to see them be happy. And so what he does is he buys the land in the North Pole from Eskimos and then uh, starts to evict Santa from his workshop and it's, and this is a children's movie 
And so he finds a lawyer who's way into Christmas. And like uh, he and the the lawyer guy, uh, he's 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 like, why why did you come to me, Santa? Like well, out of all the people that wrote you letters, why did you come to me? He's like, because you're the only one that wrote a letter to me after Christmas to say thank you. <laughs> and I was just, I remember like tearing up. And going, How are we to make fun of this sweet man? But then of course, like there's just this disconnect because it's uh you know. English dubbing over Italian movie, and there's just this, you start to see this weird fascination this guy has with Santa. That's like almost crossing the line. He's like, "Oh, Santa, I love you so much." You know, it's just real odd. Was that in the dubbing or in the performance? That's like his body is like that, really? and the performance okay. is like that. And and then one of the more interesting parts of that movie too is that uh, Santa, like the guy's like, "Oh, we'll 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 say they basically invent this the mall Santa in that movie." Like where he goes, he's like, we'll just go to this toy store and we'll say you're dressed up as Santa and then you'll, we'll make money that way working as a Santa. Uh, and then he's like, oh, oh, this is so great. I love children so much. Just the way they're so peaceful and their eyes are always closed and they're always just cuddled up in their beds. And he's like, I'm sorry, Santa. Have you ever seen a kid that wasn't asleep? He's like, no, I don't think I have. <laughs> and Santa starts having a panic attack. <laughs> This like these are Sounds great things, good. and these are great moments. <laughs> but you'll you'd find uh, more so that uh, a good Mr. Sincere movie isn't necessarily like a, a bad movie. It just it has uh, a pacing that allows you to kind of pop in with these moments because there's some of these Mr. Sincere, you know, some of these movies we do where you know they're just trying to make time. They're trying to make their reels, and uh, because they were you know it was a low budget movie and they just had to, it had to be ninety minutes, and you see just like the same shot of a guy walking across a, like an empty field and you're just, it's the third time you've seen it and you just, like, and you're, it's your job to make a joke about it and you can't just go, this fucking sucks. This sucks. You know? <laughs> and so therein lies the, actually uh, it occurs to me. I've seen a few comedies. Uh, I won't mention that, but there are some comedies where you know, uh, that they're leaving dead air cause they're so certain. Well, that's because you know the Marx Brothers used to take their stuff out on the on, mm -hmm. on, on right uh, into stages, and they would just do the stuff in front of an audience, and then when they shot the stuff uh, at the studio, they would leave a space for where they knew the laugh was. Right. Uh, and now you see those pictures on TV, and there's just dead air. Dead air. But I'm yeah. saying, I've seen don't movies realize, in theaters. People don't realize time. how if you see them with an audience, they are perfectly honed. Mm -hmm. I mean, the laughs last exactly as long as they right. should, and some of the funniest times i've ever spent in a theater have been watching marx brothers movies with a big audience yeah and there's there's an interesting part of that too where it's like you know that's that one that wouldn't happen now uh because the idea is like every movie can be watched as much as you want but back then it's like you know it's like you want everyone to catch every joke right uh but you know i was just hearing about uh the movie blockers that played in uh <laughs> the, uh the movie blockers that played at south by southwest apparently just like like uh uh, people were just like the people who made the movie were starting to get upset because so many jokes were being lost <laughs> from the last. It's never a bad thing. It's never a bad it's thing, and it makes it in like some of my why favorite you stuff. Have a preview so that you can you can yes jock around you know with it and yeah. make sure that people will get that joke exactly. Um, and Shawshank Redemption is a movie that I, I don't think is uh, really yeah nothing really to say there. Uh, <laughs> like you know, is it like the the most beloved movie on IMDb? Oh, is it really? I, yes, think, I so. think it is yeah. one of the most popular movies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the which is amazing because it like runs four hours. It's a real long movie. <laughs> I'm very fond of that, and I like what's what's the one? What's the Jim Carrey one? He did a couple films out about the screenwriter. Uh, okay, we'll cut this. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Everybody. Hates it. Oh no, I know Wait, the one. You know what I mean? You mean yeah. the Frank Darabont movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, the Majestic? 
The Majestic, the one with the most the ridic- majestic, the most yes. ridiculous ending of all time. I, remember, yeah. I just remember. I just remember liking the film. It's, I, a, it's, it's one of those movies. It's a where... Huac ending. It has a preposterously stupid Huac ending. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's beyond stupid. I mean, it's 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 offensive. It's it, so stupid. They, they don't make a lot of movies so, about screenwriters. So not what you know? happened. It's like we have to we have to cling to that. And then is the Huac? I don't even remember. Was it okay? Mm. But I remember sort of uh, yeah, finding myself alone enjoying that, and uh, um, the Postman too is one of those films that. Everybody hated, and I'm sitting there going, "I." I liked him when he rang twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. So the postman was just a prequel to. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. right. Uh, well, I, I did go. I remember going up to see 28 Days Later. Somehow, having no idea, it was some preview, and and I, it took me a minute to realize I was not going to a sequel of the Sandra Bullock AA movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if I was, it was one of the best sequels I've ever seen great. in my life. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> 20 days later has uh it uh, it's it almost has a great sequel which is 28 weeks later yes uh where it's just that opening the cold open scene is better than the rest of the movie it's so true it's, it's one of the best openings of any movie it's incredible if that was just like a short someone made uh you could double build it with the first 10 minutes of up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the opening and I, I think it's a fine film but there's nothing in the remake of dawn of the dead to compare to those first five or six minutes either which were just yeah i i did quite enjoy the remake of oh I, I enjoyed very much but yeah. that that opening much like oh yeah, yeah it was like i liked up a lot too but that yeah. opening i have like a 10-year argument going on with uh james gunn about the uh the zombie baby he put into the remake of dawn of the dead i was like i was like listen i love the movie i'm gonna back you up on the zombies running you know, a freshly made zombie still has all the muscle mass and the need to get to the food. They're going to run. Of course, they won't build the muscle back up and they will eventually become the shuffling zombie that we all know and love. Uh, but I will I will, I will, will die on the cross of hating the zombie. And he insists. He's like, I talked to numerous biologists and uh, scientists and they said that that would happen. If a, if a woman had a baby inside her belly and then she became infected with that virus, the baby would intent also. And then when it came out, it would be a zombie. Well, that's yeah. Peter Jackson did it first, though, in uh, in Dead Alive. Yeah, but it's like a cartoon. Yeah, but it's still a zombie. Yeah, yeah, it's still a zombie. Oh, yeah. But like he's not like Peter Jackson's not going. It's like now this can really happen. <laughs> I I'm pretty I sure Saturday, no one involved with Saturday, Saturday morning animated show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of all zombies. Yes. Um, uh, and this is this is actually uh this happened to me. I was watching this movie at the New Bev, and someone behind me started you know, like leaning into a couple first it was kind of quiet and then said something out loud and i had to snap back and say i was like i was like please don't talk over this movie and it was a uh, mask of the red death oh yeah ah. and, and that was one where it's like it was like and i'm not confrontational and it really like i was for about 50 minutes i was looking for an open another seat to just like move away so i didn't have to deal with it and then it just like that nerd rage where i just like a i was like would you shut the fuck up like it just turned <laughs> And like, and I've never, I'm not, I'm not, I've never heard it described so accurately. Nerd rage. Nerd rage, yes. (laughs) I, I, this did not happen, this happened previous to you uh, hosting the show. What, correct? This, this, this thing, yeah, this happened, yeah, this was, it was, I don't know, like five years ago or something. Because I I love the version where, you know, the person behind you now recognizes, I mean, there's a certain irony in. (laughs) I was, uh, I went and saw it with a friend and it's like, it's just a guy I know from, you know, he's in bands and stuff like that. So he has He's not one of the, he's not like a comedy guy that you know feels weird making jokes when hanging out. So he's always making jokes because it's like that's what he does for his you know when he's hanging out being in bands. 
and he uh we were watching it and he kept on kind of making jokes i was like i was like hey man you can't we can't be in public and you like talking over a movie with me sitting next to you because it's like I, like that's my huge fear i'm like walking into a movie at a, like a rep theater or something like that and everyone goes oh geez yeah don't Here's listen to your head. yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, like because it, it's happened. It comes up when I was going to a bunch of screenings at Beyond Fest, and then when I went to go see the, um, you know, there was that triple feature they just did of uh, Brain Damage, um, uh, Basket Case, and Frankenhooker. Oh yeah, the, and, yes. And some guy sat and he, he recognized me, and he was just he's, he's like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun with you right here, <laughs> extra comedy." I was like, "No, no, I I enjoy these movies, and I'm just gonna watch them." It's a, there are some jobs, I guess, yeah, where people assume you just do that all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sure porn actors don't get that when they go out in the yeah. world. Here we go. <laughs> oh, pizza doesn't show up. <laughs> um, and uh, and this is not I, this is not a movie I picked uh, because you're here. Uh, as I told you before we started recording, uh, I am a huge fan of yours, and this is truly one of my favorite movies. But Matinee is uh, a movie that oh, it means- the other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How could such a thing happen, Dr. Cabal? The ant's saliva must have gotten into Bill's bloodstream and gone straight to his brain, just as the radiation, which is measured in units called Rentkins, was released. And that's how he became a... Mant. Gotcha. For the kids of Key West, Florida, there was nothing scarier than a monster matinee. Lawrence Wolsey, the master of movie horror, exterminates you with Matt. The story of Matt is based on scientific fact, on theories that have appeared in national magazines. But in the fall of 1962... A series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on the island of Cuba. They got the biggest scare of all. They're gonna bomb us? The country is on red alert. And what a perfect time to open a new horror movie. That'd be the best show to take a girl to. The whole world's gonna blow up anyway, so we should just do whatever we want. But the, the matinee, uh, it, it means a, a lot to me. And it's also, it's it really, it feels, it, it's, it just, you know... I don't know it has anything to do with that. It was like, it was, you know, based in Key West, but I grew up in Hawaii. So it's like, you know, just the kids like riding bikes or going over to see like scary movies, like with the beach setting, you know? Uh, but there was just so many things where it just hit me all like so many great points. And then the fact that Mant was like such a great commentary and tribute to those movies and like to like, and like, and it wasn't one-to-one, which is um, like you weren't doing direct parody where it's like, you know, you did Lawrence Woolsey. You didn't say he was William Castle. You didn't like bother like, being like it's like let's just like because if they made if they move moving now i'm sure people would be like just say it's william castle and say and like let's actually find an old movie right. that mm-hmm. and like we'll do that it's like it's that thing where like good parody where it's not one-to-one you're just you're 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 paying tribute to those things um and it's just a, it's yeah just a we, fun did, we did we did we cheated a little because william castle didn't make giant bug movies but yeah you know, exactly but, but but so many other people did you know yeah. who were kind of like him so yeah. it's it's sort of an era that's sort of quashed altogether. Yeah, but like, did you like when it? Did you know it was going to be a a giant bug? Did you want to do the William Castle kind of stuff? Because no, of like they, the, buzzers, they, the giant bug movie preceded the idea of the William Castle character. Oh, really? Because when the script was originally written, uh, it was about a, a movie theater that was going out of business, and um, the people it was gonna be, it was going to be knocked down and turned into a video store, and the adults who used to go to the matinees there go back to the theater. And they reminisce about what it was like to go to see the movies in the theater, and the movie is Mant. 
Um, and but that's not the movie we made. We took yeah. we, we took the man part out and we just added all the rest of it, the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that. Wow! Stuff, because we couldn't get the other one made. Nobody wanted to make it. That's crazy. So it's that's it's sort of a reverse engineering kind of thing. Wow, that's incredible. And so it was more it was a. Uh adults kind of reminiscing and so you would kind of cut back and forth between the the adults there telling the stories and then to when I, I honestly it's been so long I don't remember wow um but we, we basically we just we the only thing we saved was the idea of the Mant movie and everything else we just it was new I That's love the idea, though, that the the thinly veiled uh, biopic, if you will, of, of William Castle was the one that was easier to get made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where is that world? It was today? a fluke that it got. Made, uh, <laughs> yeah. Believe me, uh, much less at a studio. But that's that, that's a story for another time. That's in, it's it's so insane because that movie you know I've seen so many times, and it's it feels all of it feels so purposeful and. And like, it seems like this, like one singular vision congruent from beginning. To, like, it's like, I was like, this is clearly the movie that Joe Dante wanted to well, make. It is. It is. It's just that, you know, I, I didn't end up making that movie. I ended up making this movie, which yeah. is much more personal to me than, than the other idea. Yeah. Uh, because I was the same age as the kid in 1962. And I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis and we all thought that there would be no Monday. It was, yeah. It was, it was really serious. I mean, every time a plane flew over, you figured, oh, is that the one with the bomb in it? Wow. And so we really did live... It's it's kind of it's hard for I think it, the movie captures it somewhat, but uh, it's hard for people to realize how paranoid we all were yeah. about the fact that the world was going to end. Yeah, and that weekend. Uh, and uh, it's a uh, there's there's one thing I, I've always wanted. It's um it's it's a very it's a moment I think about a lot. But where you know um, John Goodman's like bringing the kid into the theater. Oh, he's in yes, the middle of the thing. To, yeah, that's and the, then like it's like the kid monologue. like picks up the wire and like. Uh, and then like it's like it buzzes like it snaps and like he's like hey that's live and like and then it's just the kids just like I'm gonna go home and then like it's just and then it's just like Jugger like being like kind of like just like freaked out that the kid didn't just die it's like it's such a funny like moment that you don't like you don't like you don't overdo it or you know it's a, I just like I love that moment so much was it written like that or was that just kind of a performance thing like no it was written like yeah. That. It's a good script. I just I, love yeah, that, that moment. That, and the speech just oh, walking the through the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. And then boom, I, you got yeah. here. Yeah. You know. Were you, did you ever, uh, uh, Jordan Rosa, who used to work at Cinefamily back in the day, did, did you ever, They did, when they did their William Castle Festival, did you go to any of those? I didn't, I was out of town. Because he, this guy was amazing. He cracked, because they didn't really have direction manuals, and they showed a bunch of William Castle movies, and he figured out how to recreate most of the gimmicks. Really? They had a tingler, where they somehow zapped Oh, wow. people with live electricity and the, and uh the ghosts coming out and all that stuff but he just yeah I, yeah jordan just kind of cracked the code and they they did it for real the That's way awesome. castle had done which was kind of lovely there's also there's a thing that i say like a lot when when someone it's like i just it's a quote from the movie but it's the guy's poem and i, I always go no skin out no skin off my asphalt and it's just like <laughs> it's, it's just a thing that like is now in my vernacular of um just things to go to Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. 
You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so now I have uh, the other oh, you're gonna Well, it, shall we do? Yeah, now, now well, you certainly, yes. I, I, if if, if uh, you haven't yeah, won. What are these five? Well, if you haven't won Joe over with these, it's, it's over anyway. Now, mm. now it's the five where I think, what is it, you have to. These are movies oh, you, you have, have to, to talk over. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I, uh, I take away any good grace. Uh, but if you've seen these, then you wouldn't necessarily disagree. Um, there was a movie called uh, Get Even, but everyone refers to it as Get Even uh, because the guy who made it uh, put the titles too close together on like, the opening like screen. Like Rat Finca Boo Boo. Wait, is Get Even, is, it, is that the uh, Tony Anthony? No. Um, no, let's Get Me. Welcome to the biggest little movie ever made. Action, suspense, the thrill of a minute, romance, and some very funny moments. We get some dope, we'll get a one. You're gonna make it hurts. You just made a big mistake. See, Sam, you see this? White powder. How about tolerating the goddamn justice system? Sit down! I now pronounce you husband and wife. Get in the pool, man. Look. This court is now in session. You're smuggling drugs when you're a cop. Satan has guided us. Hey there, double ugly. Will courage overcome corruption? Get even. Starring John Dehart, Pamela Bryan, William Smith, Wings Hauser. And Elaine Young. Get Even. Uh, get Even, uh, or Get Even, as get uh, I think it's the, everything is terrible people uh, are the ones that found it, um, played it at Cinefamily. And it's um, it's this guy, uh, John DeHart, who is a trial attorney in Los Angeles. He used to have a billboard up, I remember, right off the 101 for a long time. And uh, he uh, wrote, directed, starred, uh, made two different songs uh, in it, uh, produced it, funded it. And it's um, it's one of those... It's one of those movies that's just like, oh, this is a real weird vanity project for this guy that has all this extra money. And um, it's just like really like it's like, you know, he wrote it. He wrote himself as this hero. Uh, and it's just like it's a, just a terribly done movie. What year is it? Uh, this I think it I think he finished it. It's weird because the there's uh, clearly reshoots that are done with a VHSC camera. <laughs> so it like really like comes out of nowhere. Uh, that's uh, but uh, um, if where you, would one where would one see this movie? Um, I don't know who has the copy. I saw a screening of it, and he was there, and he was wearing a uh, a matching windbreaker outfit and brought a cooler full of natural light beer. Wait, isn't it, is this like is this like the Jesus movie? Kind of. What am I? No, no? it's like it's. I'll send you guys a link to the uh, to the um, to the trailer. Uh, yeah, the guys. It's not even on IMDb. I'm sitting here looking this yeah. thing up. And so that's one that's. Uh, it's, oh great! Yeah, wow. It's really, okay. You yeah. could do it for trailers from hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. It's, what's really funny is to watch the trailer that um, the watch the trailer that the uh, family people made for the screening, and then but you can also go on YouTube and find John DeHart's trailer, where it's like it's clearly him in an echoey room going like a movie like never before, and he's one wow. of the. It's like, and I wouldn't. I would say he's. It's like outsider art, but he's so aware of himself. Um, 
uh, but and he talked about how great the movie was the whole time. It was really well. That's yeah. endearing. Uh, the Room, I think, is a is a great movie for talking over, and that's not I'm not th- throwing stones there. That's that. See now I'm. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's but you, you know you, you brought the noise with the last one. That yeah, sure. Uh, Faithful Findings. What? Sorry. Faithful what? Findings by Neil Breen. I was given paranormal powers as a child. I've hacked into just about all the information I need. They have no idea. No more books! You were given a power. Others want to take this from me. He's writing about government secrets. I knew I loved you when I was eight years old. All this time, I haven't been working on my next book. I've hacked into the most secret government and corporate secrets. Oh, that's the guy who I'm not talking about, but I'm, yeah. I'd seen his other one. What was his? Uh, I can't remember that other where one. Where he's kind of a Jesus figure. Yeah, he plays a Jesus guy. He kind yeah. of plays a Jesus guy in his in, in all of universe. Them. What's on. this one? I don't know this. Uh, this one, I don't even know. <laughs> I just watched it over at Rob Schraub's place the other day, and it's um, another guy that funded, wrote, directed, uh, starred in um, this movie. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's just awful. It's awful. And it's, it's one of those things where it is hard to make a movie. Like, you know, I've made TV and that's, and that's tough. And I know how like you can, you think you, you got your shots. You think you got your coverage. That's one thing about this faithful findings movie. The guy had great coverage. Really? Lots of, lots of angles. So many angles that he continually broke 180 all the time. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things where, it's like you know when you're like you see a movie and you're like everyone's trying their best and uh then you see like one a movie like that you're like this guy might be using his money and making a movie to like have sex scenes with these women that he hired and everyone seems might, to, might be might be might be might yeah be. might be just um <laughs> some people become some people have become president to do that. I yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> have you ever by the way there's a what's the name of that film there's a terrible even ghosts do it. Oh you know, yeah, so, okay. yeah. That, that Donald Trump is in. Yes, that's oh, really? a Bo Derek movie. Yeah, he's got this really grotesque close-up where he's trying to be sexy and licking his lips, and mm. it's just it's. He's also in uh, Home Alone too. That is correct. That's right. Um, we did it. We did these. These are the two movies uh, we did last year um, on uh, Mystery Science Theater. It was Carnival Magic. Carnival Magic. The excitement. The thrill. The adventure of the carnival. Be careful. You want the chimp? You're looking at the guy who can get him. The most exciting non-stop fun-filled carnival that's ever come to town. Carnival magic. It'll knock you out. Uh, I've Which Al is, Adamson. Al Adamson, yeah. And that's like to know the story of what happened to him. And the reason he made this movie so beautiful and sincere do you know like why he made well tell tell the story yeah so al adamson uh what he made like like schluck like violent well he 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 made very low budget biker movies yeah yeah uh, pictures starring i think it was his wife regina carroll was that yeah right and she's in and she's always in them and out of clothes uh and my my friend gary graver used to photograph a lot of those pictures uh for him uh, out in the desert and they would get people like scott brady and kent taylor and people who whose careers were pretty much on the skids and, and just needed a drink. And, <laughs> and they would go out and they would be in these pictures and they would be the, like the, 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 the rock for the younger actors to look at. And say, These guys actually made it. They've been doing this for a long time. Um, and then they get killed. 
Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted their names for the for the poster. <laughs> and then there'd be a lot of, of biker guys and lots of angels, wild women, and you know right. all these these titles. And 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 the the company that he worked for used to change the titles of the pictures, and reissue them. And sometimes they would just reshoot about twenty minutes of the picture, and then mm. recut the whole thing and put a new trailer out oh. and a different title. And there was one picture that became uh, I, I, one of the titles is Blood of a Ghastly Horror. The other is Fiend with the Electronic Brain. Uh, I can't remember the other two titles, but it started out as a biker movie and it ended up as a mad scientist movie. Oh, wow. And they just kept adding <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's great, but uh, wouldn't it make more, I mean, I guess these are probably not rocket scientists, but doesn't it make more sense if you're going to be doing that kind of cash grab just to change the title and then... No, because they actually could play these pictures together on double oh. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. But anyway, Al yeah. was, uh, he made, a, he was very prolific, made a lot of pictures. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess his wife the whole time was like, she's like, you should make like a, a family, family movie. Yeah. Yes. And it's now out on Blu-ray, by the way. Carnival Magic? Carnival Magic. Yeah, I, think it, I think the Draft House people found the print of it, right? Uh, yes. Wow. So yeah. he, he made this movie, Carnival Magic, which was, it started off as a, a movie about a struggling carnival. And what it really felt like when you're watching, you're like, Someone knew someone with carnival rides, and yeah. was just like it's like it's not the season. You can just use these if you want. And there was a uh, there's a guy that has a magic act with a uh, a chimp. Um, it's got to be a chimp. You can't make mm -hmm. one picture like this without a yeah. chimp. And, and believe me, there is a chase scene with the chimp where he steals a car, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a cops they, and they stole it later for speed racer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it talks, but it, well, no, that here's the here's the sort thing. of right. The guy's dumb. able to communicate mentally with animals theoretically. Um, and um, apparently, it's a, we we found an interview with the the girl who played the girl the daughter in it, and she said, "Oh, that was never part of what we shot. They oh, added in that stuff yeah. with ADR afterwards." Yeah. So it's like every time he hears like someone going, "The like the chimp can talk," you realize it's never on camera. Yeah. And they <laughs> and then the voice they you can barely understand what the chimp is saying. So not only can this guy communicate with animals through his mind, there's also a talking chimp, which kind of negates. Well, but it's his... bizarre too. Remember, there's crowd scenes where they're performing and he's doing where he's doing things where you know the chimp's talking and stuff, and the audience is behaving the way you would if you were watching a reasonably well trained chimpanzee. Yeah. They're not. They're not going. Oh, shit he's talking yeah exactly it's, it's so just clearly like, oh, dumb fun. dude yeah that's, like, oh, that's cool the chef's yeah. talking i hope it doesn't tear my genitals <laughs> off um and it's, it's pretty gas but how did he end up making so uh so like it's like he made that and it's like it's it's a family movie but he couldn't help but there's so much dark stuff in it where it's like one guy is an alcoholic there's a guy that wants to vivisect the the thing it's <laughs> like uh, there's a dr the, like the drunk tiger mangler wrangler guy like it's like beats up like his girlfriend and like there's the the jokes we put in in the in in the commentary were just like when something like that would happen we would all just go family movie <laughs> for kids. Um, that, I, so, I've seen that film. You you yeah yeah you have to do something during it. Yeah so. exactly. And then uh, and then so um, and then so Al Adamson, um, his wife I think died shortly after. They did. And she's in it, right? She's the blonde. I believe so, or it I might be her, someone. Or maybe else. it's his girlfriend. Actually, you know what? I think I remember his wife. His wife wanted to make a family movie. And I think his wife died, so he's like, "Now's the time in honor of her." And that's the movie he made to honor his wife. And then he uh, was found uh, dead, um, buried underneath a jacuzzi, right. uh, cemented in, I that's believe, right. um, and by his contractor, by his contractor who was living at the house. <laughs> and that's the. <laughs> Story. And like it's like knowing that story and not being able to make any references to it. Like we there were certain rules. We would get movies and sometimes Now why couldn't you make any references? 
it was just because it's like a lot of kids watch uh, uh-huh. Mr. Science Theater, and uh, Joel's you know he's very family minded, so he's just like he's like yeah let's not hmm. let's not bring it up, and you know and then there was uh, if if uh, kind of a hard thing to dance around though isn't it, it is, and so it's just like it was it it sucked <laughs> because it was like in the restroom some of the best jokes were <laughs> referencing that. Um, and yeah, and we 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 just couldn't. But yeah, it's a real weird demise to for that Al Adamson, which is uh, I think the joke we made about Al, Al Adamson is the name a director uses when it, when Alan Smithy is taken, <laughs> or when Alan Smithy doesn't want to use his when own Alan name. Smith, yes. Yeah, he uses yeah. Al Adamson. They can't, actually can't use Alan Smith. And now Alan Smithy's done well, that. What's had, the new had, name? I think I had to get rid of it because too many people. Everybody right, knows. But why? Yeah, yeah. Forget, what is the new new? There, I, don't think, I don't think there is one. I think there. I thought there was a. I thought they came up with a new one, but someone should try and find the best Alan Smithy movie. Well, there was oh, a... Uh, well, De- uh, Death of a Gunfighter is the best Alan Smithy movie. Oh, oh that was Siegel, right? Yeah, because of Don Siegel yeah. and Robert Totten. I think Richard Widmark got Robert Totten fired and brought in Don Siegel, and then neither of them wanted the credit. But it's actually um, a pretty good movie. Oh, wow. there, there was a... Uh, I think I mentioned it here before, uh, many years ago, um, at Annenberg, at Penn, they did an Alan Smithy retrospective. Oh, that's a, funny. It was an attempt to do a serious, uh, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, university level kind of exploration of his films, and some woman came and and did her doctoral thesis. I I'm not sure if I'm isn't that kind of pointless? Since well, they're not all made by different people. Yeah. Well, no, but the whole <laughs> but that's the the point was. Uh, she probably not say this with a great director in the room, but the point was that, that that she found links and recurring themes in the work of Alan Smithy and laid this thing out. And they invited Andrew Saris because the whole thing was basically just a piss take of the auteur theory oh, yeah. and and andrew Sarris apparently acknowledged that it was pretty great and that clearly clearly alan smithy did have a guiding uniform i think like oh, a, a larger and kill wouldn't have come yeah, <laughs> that's right i think a, a larger bit with that it would be funny if it's like you know they got someone to play the role of alan smithy yeah and then have him try and talk about all of his yeah. films and you know that's the grander bit i guess yeah what they did which was more sincere than my idea um and then the, my last one's cry wilderness uh which is about a, it came out in the same time where, you know, E.T. came out, then Mac and Me came out, and was always a boy and some kind of beast or monster. And this is about a boy who befriends Bigfoot. Um, oh. Uh, he befriends Bigfoot. The- and uh, Bigfoot is obsessed with rock and roll and Coca Cola. And there's just so many terrible racist jokes to, about Native Americans in it, like throughout <laughs> it. Uh, and it's just like a mess. It's like it's it basically it reminds me of that scene in uh, Ed Wood where, uh, you know, he's, he's like, hey, Ed, I got a lot of great stock footage to show you. And, and like, as he's like, oh, I can make a whole movie out of this thing. Someone clearly found a bunch of like parts of uh, animal footage in the wild and had access to some animals. And so but it wasn't good footage. You can tell it was like stuff cut from nature documentaries because every like wild animal shot was out of focus. And, and, and then just like, and there would be a Bengal tiger, but it's supposed to take place in like in the Colorado Rockies. And you're like, why is there a Bengal tiger hanging out with Bigfoot in this thing? And then also they didn't get, they didn't bother getting any hands for the Bigfoot costume. Oh, and so, so it's just creepy just, human hands, just creepy human hands, oh. in his Bigfoot costume. And it's uh yeah, it's the thing is with, with, with bad movies. It's like, it's like, if they're not going for it, it's not fun to do in an episode. Like it's like if someone's kind of going like, eh, "This is kind of a bad movie." It's like you know, like any of those Sharktopus, Aquaman um, thing. It's like well, purposely bad they're movies. So, they're so self-referential. And, they're no good. Yeah. No, it's you know to make a bad I mean, movie. I, I, I found that out with the movie orgy, which is the seven-hour compilation film that I made in college and has yeah. been revived various times. We did it at the New Beverly and played the Museum of Modern Art. It's played all over the world and it's just a bunch of stuff basically, but. 
it was sponsored by Schlitz Beer for a while, and they kept saying, uh, we want you to put in new stuff. We want you to put in the stuff that the kids know, like the man from UNCLE. And I said, well, you can't put in the man from UNCLE because what's funny about this material is that it's all sincere. Mm-hmm. It's like the definition of camp. It's, t- it's, it's all stuff that was done seriously. And as soon as it's done, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm. it's, now it's not funny. It's not, that's not the same kind of humor. And so eventually we just sort of gave up on the whole thing because they just didn't, didn't get it. They didn't understand it. But, yeah. but I think there's a certain, uh, a certain level of self-awareness that kind of kills the purity yeah. of anything yeah. like that. Man. It's like it's it's hard enough to make anything. It's hard, like you said, it's like it's really hard to make a movie. So it's like if you're going to bother going through the process of making a movie, shooting a bunch of stuff, writing something, what, just try and make it good. Like, don't, why why are you going to like purposely make something bad for that idea of like like someone's going to watch this ironically? Well, not anymore. You know, <laughs> people can sniff out bullshit like that when you just like you know when you watch like it's like horror has the worst time with that. You know, Man. just you know when you. There's, there's like kids and there are kids that will just watch any horror, you know, they just, whatever comes down, you know, the pike, but it's, uh, right. If I start watching horror, I go, this might be. And then once I see a wink, I turn it off. Like it's, I'm out. Well, Tom, yeah. And Tommy Wiseau's kind of, uh, post room comedy career hasn't exactly, yeah. uh, delivered the goods. Doesn't, well, he, doesn't he want to play the Joker? Isn't that the last? Oh, that's a, yeah. I, I heard he's, that. He's, but I mean, he's he's done, he did a sitcom. He did a half hour sitcom that he yeah. wrote and stars in, and it's him trying to be funny. And mm. there was, uh, you know, remember that weird change that happened, uh, where it's like, and if you watch like Leslie Nielsen's like, uh, career, where it's like, you see him in the airplane movies and he's like this serious actor that like just is playing everything so real. And that's what's so funny about it. Yeah. And then like police squad, he was keeping up. And then the first naked gun movie, which is fun, but you see him go, Oh, I'm very funny. Yeah. It and starts it's, to waver. It's, and it's not the same anymore. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a completely different thing. I, I felt that way about Schwarzenegger. I had uh, uh, friends and I used to love him in movies. Like, I mean, it's impossible to make the argument that commando is a straight faced film, yeah. but, but the 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 wink that Schwarzenegger is doing in that film is nowhere near as broad as the one he ends up doing in things like Twins and so yeah. forth. And um, I just I remember saying to friends, I, I hope he never figures out how genuinely naturally hilarious he is. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he did and became governor. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> the best joke of all. Hey. Uh, well, Jonah, thank you for uh, coming out. Thanks nice. for letting us bat you around a no, little bit. You've been a great a great sport. Yeah. And I I, I you know. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that also hate the interstitial bits in Mr. Science Theater. I've had friends do you know go. Any, do you know anybody who really likes them? I, you know, it's one of those things. Like any, it's like you know, sketch is one of the most hit or miss things in the world, and especially in but like. You're so, but you're so limiting yourself with a gumball machine. Yes, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those are those are tricky. They're, they're tricky to uh, write, and like there was a, me and uh, the head writer Ellie Kalen. Like our whole thing was just like. You know, when talking about the new ones, we're like, it's like, let's just make them obs- if we're if we're gonna do them, just to have the breaks in the movie. Um, just like how you know SNL, it's like the lowest rated parts of SNL are the music acts. It's like, but like it's like Laura Michael says, you need the dynamics, you need a break. You well, can't that's just why have- they, that's why they had uh, songs in Marx Brothers and Ivan Costello movies. Because yeah, they said that, you know you 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 can't just be funny for ninety minutes. You gotta you know, give where people, people a break. You know. Yeah. And so, like, our whole thing was just like, let's just make them silly, absurd, loud, and quick, and then just get right back into the theater uh, to continue uh, shitting on art. (laughs) And on that note. On that note. (laughs) We'll be back next week to shit on more art. Our show was recorded in Hollywood, California, at the crossroads of the world. 
We are the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is Don Barrett, who also wrote, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for The Movies That Made Me. All right, let's kill him now. Yeah, no, no, no. He's, oh, a good, he's a good guy. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.